0: So we've been in James chapter 4. We've been in a series called Draw Ear. And last week, we talked about um, the sermon title was a purified prayer life. And we were in James 4, verses 2 and 3, where James says, uh, you don't have because you don't ask, or you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to satisfy your passions. And I'm about to do something I never do, if you did not hear last week's teaching, you need to hear it. Like if you're a part of this church family and you were not here last week or you were here and you didn't listen, I need you to go to Spotify or Apple Music or whatever your streaming service is and search Ethos Church Hillsboro Village and listen to Purified Prayer because we're about to talk about some stuff today that is not complete without last week because um, today's going to be a lot of fun, but it requires last week. It requires the people of God coming before the Holy God and going, your purposes for your glory, your will be done. No selfish incentive in this prayer closet. My agenda is not my agenda. My agenda is your agenda. Help me understand what the agenda is. It's all for your glory. It's all for your will to be done. All right. And so um, this week, now I can change my tone a little bit because this week is sick. This week, So it was last week, for the record, but this week, today is for the people in this building, and I'm sure there are several, that up until this point, or at least recently, your prayer life has been a holy checklist. Just got to make sure you check the box every day. Or for those that your prayer life is primarily a place of confession and repentance alone. You come to get some stuff off your chest, say you're sorry, get forgiven. Now, to be clear, confession and repentance, one of the greatest gifts available to you in your walk with Jesus, to just confess your humanity in whatever way, shape, or form, and then to receive his grace. I mean, that's a miracle. But I'm just here to tell you there is more. And prayer is awesome. And prayer is not just what you shouldn't be doing. There is so, so much beauty that this church needs to seize seize the moment this morning. You know how weird it is to hear someone talking about how awesome prayer is. Why? That's weird. It's weird that it's weird. Sorry if I spit, and I'll back up. <laughs> That's the spit. I, <laughs> I saw it, guys. I saw it. <laughs> I I'm not looking over there because it happened prayer. Prayer is exciting. Prayer is beautiful. Prayer is more than just this exchange of requests and we'll see what happens. Like there is more available to you and your prayer closet. And I know it because Jesus himself, red letters, said it. Himself. Did you know that Jesus incentivizes prayer? I kid you not. Jesus himself is going to tell us, hey, there's some perks to those that pray. And you think I'm being cheesy or that I'm stretching the truth? I am not, for we are going to read it. We are not going to be in James 4 today. We're going to take a a little detour. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So turn there in your Bibles, Matthew 6, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. And I need you to prepare yourself to have fun this morning. And that is more of a discipline than it is a natural thing that you do in sermon time. I need you to actually discipline yourself. Get ready to enjoy what we're about to explore in the scriptures. This is Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. Drink. Swallow. Jesus says, And he's been talking for a minute. If you've got a red-letter Bible, you already see it. Like, wow, Jesus has been really on one. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, And shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret. You ready? And your Father who sees you in secret will what? Reward you. Hallelujah. See, I told you. He says, Your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Sermon title Supernatural Secrecy. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. Supernatural secrecy If you're not taking notes, please take notes. A keynote like getting the visual and the auditory actually helps your brain retain, so like today, take notes. All right. Point number one: there's a lot of points and subpoints. Prepare your minds. Point number one: your father will reward you. A promise. a promise that Jesus himself makes. Jesus brings it up without anyone asking, hey, will the Father reward me if I do this? He just says it unprovoked. When you pursue a genuine and private prayer life, God, your Father, rewards you. I don't know why, but when I'm in the prayer closet, this promise is never on my mind. I mean, it's starting to get there now because here we are, but like in the past. Rarely do I hit my knees in the prayer closet going, surely in this place of prayer, there is a reward waiting for me. When I am in the prayer closet, I'm not going as a kid on Christmas being handed a present. Ah, that's what Christmas is all about. Thank you. I'm like, are you sure? Is my name on this? Is this Cole? Because it probably should be, right? Perfect God and me, like, right? Hesitancy, guilt, shame, nervousness, like, no way, child of God, according to Jesus, who died and resurrected to clothe you in righteousness, he tells you when you're in private seeking your father, there are rewards that your father desires to give you his idea, not yours. And if you're like me, you're so used to feeling guilty that you almost have to talk yourself into scripture being true when it says nice things. Now call me to repentance. And it's like, yep, yeah, that feels right. That feels right. You're a sinner. That that feels right, (laughs) you know? Your father wants to reward you. Okay, now let me meditate, you know? But it says it. Jesus' idea. Followers of Jesus, this is on the table for you. Your life with Jesus, your prayer life that you're building is not just intended to be marked by duty and discipline, but by genuine inside and out delight. And I don't know who did it, who made the rules, but somewhere along the way, we started missing out on the promise of delight in our prayer closet. That prayer was not supposed to be the same where I can't do that yet, I gotta pray first. I gotta pray, I gotta make sure I'm praying. That's what good Christians do. That's how I get my worth. There's a version that's like, I can't, ooh, boy. I'm about to go pray the mess out of this. And we laugh because it sounds so ridiculous, but I am telling you, this is real. It's funny because of how contrasting it is with our current state of prayer, but it's real. Your excitement to pray, your excitement to get home from work after a real long day and not sit on the couch and binge, but to get in your bed so you can hang out with your heavenly father who is in fact there and you know him. That's there. And your father in heaven who sees you in that private place longs to reward you. So point number two the secret place. In Matthew 6, Jesus mentions a key ingredient that is so easy to overlook, and he mentions it when he gives instructions around generosity, around giving, around praying, and around fasting. All three times, he seemingly goes out of his way to say this. He says, when you do this, do not do this to be seen by others. Completely worthless, Nashville. Don't underestimate your heart. Influencer age, artist age, platform, tour. Like, I mean, come on. Don't do this to be seen by others. In fact, Jesus says, do it in secret. And your father who sees you will reward you. Do it in secret. Please know Jesus says nothing on accident. He's not like me. He's not externally processing going, oops, oh, I ought to... Don't write that down. (laughs) Everything he says has the intention of heaven. And he says, when you do this, do it in secret. He says, go to your room, shut the door, and your father who sees you. There are things that God longs to give you, child of God, that you will never forget. There are things that he wants to bring your soul that you will treasure until you die. You will never forget them. And those things are waiting for you in the secret place. You know what secrets do? They build confidence. When you know someone who's got a secret, whether it's exciting news, like, don't tell anyone. I'm pregnant, don't tell anybody or if it's horrible news, or if it's a really sad part of someone's story that they've never told anyone. Have you ever had an intimate conversation where someone opened up and you were like, oh my goodness, I had no idea you went through that. They're like, yeah, it's very private. Please don't tell anyone. You're out. Of course. When you're in a room with a crowded room of people and you and that person are there and you look at them and then you remember that secret that you're holding with them, what do you know? What do you know about that friendship with them? You have confidence because you know that trust is there. Oh, we trust each other. You have confidence. You know you're close because only close friends say stuff like this to each other in the private places. You have confidence that you have each other's back. You have confidence that you care about each other. There is a closeness and an exclusivity because secrets are just intrinsically special. That is what God has in store for you and God, that kind of closeness. And it will boost your confidence in him you will know he is real. He will help you trust him. He will bring you close. He will help you understand that he actually cares about you. He legitimately sees you. You're not making it up. And he actually loves you for real, for real, for real. I wanna explore two areas of your walk with God and your prayer life. So point number three, I wanna talk about God and you. Get ready, let's cook it up. It's gonna be good. Picture future you in prayer and know that there's some amazing things on the table. I've got three sub points. Here come all the points. So God and you, I'm gonna talk about identity, intimacy, and epiphany. Number one, identity. In the secret place, God wants to form in you identity. First and foremost, his identity. What's God like? What does he care about? His character, his posture, his voice, his motives, his touch, how he leads, how he loves on you. FYI, none of it will disagree with scripture. If it disagrees with scripture, you're hearing, it's okay. You're just, we're sorting this out. But it's in the prayer closet where you are actually going to learn who God is and what he is like. Because he himself is going to teach you that. I mean, come on. The God of this Bible wants to meet you and your prayer closet and teach him and teach you what he is like. He wants to give you your identity that is firmly established in Jesus Christ. How he views you, how he's designed you. There are some truths that you do not know about yourself that God will tell you. There are some lies that you have always believed about yourself that God will expose for you. And he is gonna give you a true and real rock to stand on, and it is firm. And it cannot be shaken, Matthew 7. He will bring you to a true and right understanding of who you actually are. You've been hearing me, I've been on my soapbox around insecurity and shame versus confidence in Christ. When you find this with Jesus and as he steadily grows this, it will produce a deep and profound confidence. You will look in that mirror confidently and no voice of comparison or coveting or pride or shame or self-indulgence will override it. You will be full of confidence and joy and love and peace solely because of who you are in Christ. I'll say it again, church. I might say it every week this year because I've said it so far every single week. The church of Jesus is meant to be a confident church. Men in this church, you were born to be very confident in who Christ is and what he's done for you and that he calls you a child of God. Men in this church, insecurity is not your destiny. Comparison and coveting is not your future. It's just not. And it is in the closet where Christ is gonna teach you what confidence in him looks like. Women in this church, women in this church, ooh, there are mighty women in this church that for too long you have held hands with insecurity and for a variety of reasons, some very real and very deep and some maybe not so much, I don't know, but Christ's intent for every woman in this church, I promise you, is to be extremely confident in who they are in Christ. Daughter of God, led by the Spirit. Women, can y'all say amen real quick? Amen. Do you believe this? Like, I'm serious. In a world plagued by comparison, insecurity, anxiety, and worry, you were meant to be a confident daughter of Jesus. And it's interesting, when I even say things like this, I almost feel like this timidity or fear or like shame. And I'm like, anytime you say sentences, like you were meant to be the utmost confident in who Christ has called you to be and you feel shame and insecurity, man, resist the devil, resist the devil. This is, your tr- this is for you to say yes to. Anyway, all right, tangent over. I'm probably gonna keep doing that every week. It feels that way. Identity, intimacy. God wants to build intimacy with you. God wants to be close. This is God's heart, to be close to you, closer than your breath, closer than a brother. It's in the prayer closet that he wants to be very close to you, to actually search you and know your anxious thoughts, to reveal things about scripture, to speak words of life over you, words of provision and protection, To give you deep truths that just draw you closer to his heart. It's in that prayer closet. He wants to hear it all too. Go read the Psalms. Your complete honesty, no filter. He already knows what's in there. You're just deciding if you want to bring it to him or not. Your joys, your pains, your struggles, your worship, your laughter, your crying, your mourning, he wants it all. And when you start experiencing true identity and true intimacy in that prayer closet, I'm telling you, there are light bulbs that are gonna go off where you're like, oh my goodness, I am pretty sure that right here, right now, I am talking to God and he is talking to me and I am not a lunatic. And let me just say, hey, listen, you're not the living God who is invisible and I don't understand why he wouldn't just go, everybody, it's real. I don't know that part, but I'm telling you, God is going to speak to you when you get to know your identity in Christ and draw near to God and experience intimacy with your Heavenly Father. You will have moments where you're like, oh my goodness, I am actually in communion with God. It's happening. This thing that I only heard Joshua preaching about, that I only heard my house theater talking about, or those weird Christians in grocery stores that are asking if they can pray for people. You've never had one of those? They're out there. And I'm starting to think they're faithful. I used to just think they were weird. You're going to have your own Matthew 4 moment. Jesus is in the wilderness, praying and fasting. And at his weakest moment, the enemy comes and he fends off the enemy. As James would say, he resists the devil and the devil flees because Jesus quotes scripture. And in his weakest moment, he resists the devil and angels come and they comfort him and they minister to him. You are going to have your own moments where you collapse in your prayer closet weak beyond measure and the the angels of God comfort you. You experience comfort. Philippians 4 says you can have a peace that surpasses understanding. There are gonna be moments in your life where when you do the math, that plus that plus that equals fear, anxiousness, anger, depression, frustration, worry, concern, and instead what you're gonna have, child of God, is peace. That's your birthright. Scripture is real. It's telling you the truth. And when you grow in your identity, in your intimacy with the Father, in that prayer closet, in that private place, this is yours. And not only will you believe it's possible, you might actually experience it and then realize you believe it. Treasure troves, of identity and intimacy available. Number three, epiphany. Well, number three beneath the number, you know what I'm saying, the numbers beneath the picture and outline. All right. It's not just identity and intimacy. You're gonna receive epiphanies. There are things that you don't know about God yet that are gonna be revealed. And I can't really articulate it, but when you learn new things about God, it is very special. You'll taste and see that soul level reward that Jesus is talking about. You'll learn things about yourself from God himself, and you'll be like, oh my goodness, that's why I've been so mad. Alley-oop from heaven, slam dunk, I am free. (laughs) There will be things that you learn and see in scripture, and you'll straight up feel so thankful and privileged and unworthy yet worthy to see it. He will connect dots in this word. This thing will come alive. There are so many levels to the stories in this book. You merge scripture and prayer and he's just gonna blow your mind in this thing. He's gonna challenge you. You're gonna feel a little frightened, a little disturbed. That'll also happen. He's in it. But man, there's such richness in this word. And I just wanna encourage you here. Learn from me and my failures. But when you have an epiphany with the Holy Spirit, when God is blowing your mind, learn to treasure it. I taught myself that every epiphany was to be preached to the public. Every epiphany shared with my wife or my house church. And what God has taught me over a long amount of years is that, Joshua, some things that I give you that you preach to others, I was only focused on preaching to you. And think of like epiphanies with God when he teaches you things and blows your mind and answers your prayers and blesses your life. Think of them as seeds being planted in the soil of your soul. And when you share them too quick, they're as you pulling out the seeds and giving them to your neighbor. When there is actually a special privilege between you and the father, he goes, you know that there's some things that I want between me and you because I think this is special. You wanna start having fun with your heavenly father, start building secrets with him. Let them blow your mind, bless your life, answer your prayers, and then be like Mary in Luke 2 that just treasures them. I don't even know if we have the vision for our prayer life for this, but get good at just bragging on the Lord. Like when it says rejoice in the Lord, you'll learn how to rejoice in the Lord in your secret place. Guys, when God starts answering stuff for you, when he starts ministering to you in your prayer closet, when you actually start experiencing communion with God, why don't you take a moment just sit in it? Don't move on. Why don't you brag on God to God? Guys, I'm t- this is real. Like, shoot, Lord, this is crazy. You really weren't listening. What, I prayed for that, didn't tell no one, and it happened. You are crazy, you are, sl- what is happening? Like, God, you're so good. Some of y'all, your goal for 2024 is giggles with God. You need to write it on a sticky note, put it on your fridge, and confuse all your roommates. Hey, man, you okay? Why are you trying to giggle with God? What's going on? You losing it? A little. I'm a little losing it, but he's going to make sense of this, okay? But I'm serious. What religion taught us we can't laugh with the Lord? Who created laughter? One of the best goals for your prayer life might just be laughing with the Lord. For you have seen him at work. You know how good it feels when he answers a prayer that no one's heard and that it just happens, and you're like, oh my goodness, that was God. I just had a mini version of that last night, and it's awesome. And we almost need to train ourselves. Don't go tell anybody. Go right to your prayer closet, right to your bedside, right on that bath mat, right in that car, and just treasure it with God himself. You are so amazing. The mysteries of God. How are you doing this? Look at you go, holy is the Lord. Giggle with God. Brag on the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's in the privacy of our prayer lives that we find his purposes that he has planned for all of eternity. We get to figure that out. And that leads me to point number four. It's God in you for the sake of the world. Is anyone even kind of starting to feel excited yet? I don't want to, we don't have to force it because you don't have to. Like that's, you're human, right? And I can see it on some of the faces. It's a work in progress and it is, isn't it? (laughs) We're human. Point number four, God and you, sake of the world. Do you know what happens with a heart that longs to give God glory and to see his will be done? You get to be in on what God's up to because he's up to stuff. And when you long for him to receive glory, And for his will to pass through your life, you will see it. I promise you this. There is a crazy moment in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. Like, what's wrong with Asia? Nothing's wrong with Asia. Then they try to go to Bithynia, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to go to Bithynia. What's wrong with Bithynia? Nothing's wrong with Bithynia. Then... The Spirit gives them a vision of a Macedonian man that says, come help us. So they go to Macedonia. They end up in Philippi. Then they get arrested. They go to prison. Should have went to Asia. (laughs) Then an earthquake happens, releases them from their chains. Then a jailer attempts suicide, and then the people that just got freed from prison, Paul and Silas, say, don't do this. It was Jesus that did this, and that jailer, and his family all get baptized and follow Jesus until they die. What a journey. We don't realize how real this text is, but I want you to picture Paul and Silas sitting around a fire after that happens. Yo, remember when we tried to go to Asia, then Bithynia, then got a Macedonian man and a vision from God, then ended up in Philippi, then got arrested, then an earthquake came and freed us, and then that jailer and his whole family got saved? Would you have guessed it? How the heck did that happen, man? God, if it's in your will, I'd love to save another person without having to go to jail, but whatever. We're in it. Your glory. Your will be done. Talk about an adventure. I mean, imagine the laughter. Like, dude, are you kidding me? You should have seen your face when you got arrested. You should have seen your face when you got arrested. You were scared. No, I wasn't, but you were. I know I saw it. Guys. These memories are one easily, one hundred percent available to you. You're like, I don't know about jail. Okay, maybe he'll spare you. No promises. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but I'm telling you, like, go read Acts two, Acts seven, Acts eight, Acts nine, Acts sixteen, and tell me the Spirit does not want to lead the people who long for Him to get glory and His will to be done. The Spirit shows up. It is time to start having fun, going on adventures with God himself. And that sounds corny to you because you don't know it's actually available to you, that he will do this. When a believer has deep confidence in their identity in Christ, they become much less me-oriented, and they become to be like Jesus, who came to serve and not be served. How many of y'all know that about Jesus? Jesus. He came to serve and not to be served. To serve with the whole heart, with zero insecurity or self doubt. No problems at all, giving to the world, needing nothing in return, because they know who they belong to, because they know what's waiting for them in that prayer closet. It's in that secret place that God will begin to birth in you a heart for others because that is the heart of God. It is a heart for others. For God so loved the world. Jesus so rich in identity that he washed feet. Why would that shake him? He knows who he is. He knows where he's headed. How can Jesus pray on a cross, Father forgive him? He knows who he is. And he wants his crucifiers to come to know who he is. I wanna introduce a word to you, it's called intercession. Because inevitably, you start praying in that prayer closet, and God begins making you more and more into his image. You will become an intercessor, which really just means people that come before God on behalf of others. They just pray for other people. And I know we're like prayer request cultures. Like, okay, I pray for them. God, just do this. We help them with their homework assignment. Help them with blah, 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 blah. Like, or, or please heal them or whatever. And those are good prayers. But when i talk about intercession, it's not just praying prayer requests for them. It's listening for God's heart for them. It's like, God, is there anything you wanna speak to me on their behalf? Any words, any encouragements, anything you need me to know? I'm gonna default and just pray for the things I know to pray for, but if there's anything you wanna speak, or Father, will you grow my heart of compassion for them? Father, will you grow my attentiveness to their life? Give me deeper insight into who they are and what they're carrying. If there are words of encouragement or acts of service Just show me the way, Lord. I'm listening, I'm watching. In this prayer closet and when I'm with them. A lot of salvation would happen if we simply did two things, prayed for people and then spent time with them. That's it. Our American brains are like, what's the five steps to making a disciple? (laughs) Go pray with the Lord. Is that, (laughs) I didn't even think that would be, I guess that was. Go pray with the Lord, ask for his heart, keep praying for his heart for them and just hang with them. What's that slogan? It's like something about like preach the gospel with with your life, but not without your words, you know? It's like, or just ask the Holy Spirit if he wants you to just preach them with love or preach with your words or a nice combo of the two. But the Holy Spirit wants to save them more than you do. So he will. You know how Peter found out that the gospel of Jesus was not just for the Jews? Because believe it or not, that's exactly what he thought. Even after Jesus gave the Great Commission, Peter thought salvation was only for the Jews. What a. I'm a Gentile, so that's like it's pretty shady. In Acts, Peter is devoting himself to his hour of prayer as he always does. So, not every prayer ended up with a vision from heaven, but this one did because he was devoted to daily prayer. He's praying at noon. And the Spirit gives him a vision. This is in Acts 8 and 9. And the vision tells him, basically, the gospel is for Gentile believers, and there's a man waiting to talk to you. The Spirit gave that man, Cornelius, a vision. Hey, I'm sending a man named Peter your way. They meet. Cornelius falls at his feet as a Gentile, assuming that Peter thinks he's unworthy to be around him. Peter goes, no, you're good, stand up. The Spirit told me this is all for everybody preaches the gospel and the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles at the dismay of all the Jews present. And Peter realizes that any nation that fears God and wants Jesus as their Lord and Savior can have it. All because the Holy Spirit gave him a vision. Now listen, there's potential toxicity on both sides of the stories I'm telling you today. The first side is unbelief. My guess is most of us struggle with that side we don't even believe it's for us. The other side is worshiping signs and wonders and becoming glory thieves, which God does not abide with. Neither one of those fears or obstacles should prevent us from seeking God on behalf of those around us. He is faithful, he will lead you. For those that want it, there are private prayer walks that his spirit will lead you to pray for people whether internally or externally. There is private evangelism, private discipleship, private uh, private generosity, secret moments of ministry. There are things that God wants to do through your life for other people in the flesh, and you will see God show up in ways that you did not expect. And if you want examples, come ask me. I don't have a lot because I haven't been faithful enough, but I do have some where I was like, that stranger ending up in this space because I prayed these things, I was not ready. You were actually watching and you actually led this whole thing. And in that moment, go home at night and make it your duty to rejoice with the Lord. Oh my goodness, you're faithful. So as we kick off Awaken, this month of prayer and fasting, it's true you need to elevate your devotion and your discipline. It's just true. We have brains with neuroplasticity. There are grooves that make the same old, the same old. And when we're trailblazing new pathways, we will feel the resistance of forming a new habit and stopping an old habit. That's just true. We have to be adults about it. So this month is going to demand a unique devotion and discipline out of you. But I need you, church, to also anticipate delight. Because God is not just asking you to stop things. He's planning on starting things. He did not just lead the the people out of Egypt. He led them to the promised land. He doesn't just say, come and die. He says, so I can give you life. After death, there is an empty tomb. This is how God works. So as we enter into this month of prayer and fasting, if all you're thinking about is what you're trying not to do, you're missing it. Anticipate what God is wanting to do. And meditate on that meditate on the things God has in store. Perhaps God has a very beautiful and redeemed and revived walk with him that is just between you and God, that is going to heal your soul, is going to give you joy and give you peace. Remind your mind over and over again about what is possible in the prayer closet. Remember this teaching and make it a discipline to meditate there is more to be had between me and God. There is more beauty and wonder and peace and love between me and God. And I'm gonna be honest, you might have to train your brain because oftentimes it's not God holding us back. It's, it's the inner critic. It's like, I doubt it, man. I, I really doubt it. You are not really focused. No, this is yours. Birthright, child of God. Prayer's amazing. Okay, if you want helpful resources on a life of prayer, come talk to me in Gentry. There's a couple of books that we've been talking about. I won't say from the front because I want you to like pursue the Lord on your own. But if you want help, there are awesome books around how to pray and how to pursue prayer. And if you have any questions, come ask me, come ask Gentry. He was the guy, wave Gentry. Hey, he's back there. Hey, buddy. Um, Okay, last thing. Some of you are going, hey, I've been trying pretty hard with God and I feel really lost. And I I I just need brothers and sisters to support me. I want to introduce something called freedom prayer to you. I'm not going to, share all the details, but we have trained men and women at Ethos Church that know how to sit with believers in prayer or non-believers alike in prayer and intercede on your behalf and can lead you very gently and very graciously in a time with the Lord. And it's amazing. Just trust my word on it, I guess. I, I can't go into great detail right now, but if you need freedom prayer, You can sign up for that at ethoschurch.org. If you have questions about what I'm referencing, come talk to me or anyone on the pastoral team. But that can be a place that really rejuvenates your heart with the Lord, having brothers and sisters intercede with you and talk with you as you talk to God. All right, so as we enter into communion, here's what I wanna do. As you anticipate this next month, I invite you to do three things, and you're gonna have to focus your mind. First, spend time thanking the Lord about what is in store this month. And it may just be a training of the brain exercise, but like, God, thank you for what is in store as I pursue you in prayer. I'm already thankful. I trust that you're gonna give me rewards between me and you. Number two, spend time thanking God that you get to know his heart better this month. Just thank him. I'm so glad I get to know you. And number three, ask God to teach you How to pray with hope and with vision of who you're becoming in Him. We need to learn this from God. Will you teach me how to pray with hope and vision for who you're making me in you, Jesus? We did all right. All right, let's pray, let's get excited.